we're in a series that I'm kicking off today called Parentology. And really want to help you in the area of parenting. And it's going to be a three-week series. It's kind of just going to build and build. It's really help uh, families and parents. And I want to say this as well. If you're single, don't have children, or married without children, this series is for you as well. I really want you to know that I'm going to share some things, even today, that's going to be so applicable and help you in your relationship with Christ and your relationships in general. And I also want to encourage you to do this. I wish when I was younger and I did not have children, that I would have dialed in and paid more attention and took notes, read more books, prepared myself for the season that I'm in now. And so I really encourage you to dial in. Even if you don't have children, be engaged, take notes, because one day you will probably need the information I'm going to share with you today. I, I want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you like to bowl? Any, any bowlers? Come on, you like to bowl? Yeah. I, my family, we, we like to bowl. I got a, I got a little bowling ball right here and got some pins set up on stage. I, I like to bowl and my family likes to bowl. My kids, they love to go, to go bowling and as a family. I'm just curious now, how many of you now, you're in church, so don't lie, all right, somebody, don't you lie in church. How many of you bowl 250 or better? Raise your hand, over 250, anybody, anybody? This service is weak. Okay, we have one person. All right, all right. Okay, you're the weak bowling service. Somebody bowls over 250. I never want to play you because I am just not good. How many of you would say you bowl over 200? Anybody bowl over 200? Yeah, we got. Okay, this is a bowling service. All right, over 200. Don't want to play with y'all either. All right. How many of you bowl over 150? Anybody bowl over 150? All right, we got some 150 bowlers. Anybody? Well, come on, bowl over 100. Come on, we're all bowling. All right, mess me. My hand is up too. If you bowl under 100, don't raise your hand. We, if you bowl under 100, do, we, we're praying for you, all right, that you get your bowling skills up a little bit. And bowling's so fun, and, you know, I, I've got some pins down there. I'm going to bowl. Who, who wants to see me bowl right now? Who believes I can get a strike? I'm going to get a strike right now. You ready? Here we go. You ready? Here we go. Here we That's sorry. That should have been a strike. I'm going to tell you what, you watch. I'm going to get a strike this time. You just watch this. I don't like it when I can't strike. I'm trying my best to bowl. And you just get ready. Get ready. I'm going to need a little crowd participation. Are you with your pastor right now? Are you with me? Do you believe I can do it? All right. You believe I can do this? Oh, come on. Come on. Stand up here. Stand up. All right. Here we go. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm so good. I'm going to do it with my eyes closed. You get, get, get ready. Anybody ready for this? Get ready. Unbelievable. I know that's what you're thinking. You know what the difficult thing about bowling is? It's the distance. It's the distance. You, you, you have so much distance, and, and when you bowl, come on, how many of you would be honest, and you bowl a gutter ball sometimes? Come on, you know, just gutter ball. Because when, when there's distance, you're not as accurate because of the distance. You, you can bowl 100 or 150 or under 100 because of the distance. But, but if you can close the distance... That's what I want to talk to you about today. Close the gap. Closing the gap. If you can close the distance in bowling, you can bowl 250 plus every single game if you're right up on the pins. The problem is the distance. And you know what happens in parenting is that distance begins to happen between us and our children. And there's distance. And, and we're trying to bowl a, a, a 250, 300 as a parent. But the distance causes us to bowl gutter balls as parents. 
it causes us to bowl under 100 as parents. And so what we have to learn to do is learn how to close the gap so that we can be more effective in our parenting. There's a man named James, and several years ago, he was a very well-known evangelist. And he was very successful as an evangelist. He traveled all around different states preaching God's Word. And he, he was so successful that his calendar was booked up four years in advance. So if you wanted James to come to your church and preach, you had to get him scheduled out four years in advance for him to be able to come and preach. And he was also a family man. He had a wife. He had uh, a young son. And so him and his wife came up with a schedule for the ministry and also for their family that they thought would work well. And so James would be gone for two weeks, home for two weeks, gone for two weeks, home for two weeks. And this worked really well. The family was doing well. And, and all of a sudden one day, James gets a, one of those wake-up calls from his, his wife. And their son is now six foot two, 16 years old. And she calls her husband and says, as he's away preaching, I'm having a hard time with our son. He's been arguing with me. I've asked him to do something, and he point blank told me, no, I am not doing it. She says, I don't know what to do. She says, I need you, James. I need you. And James canceled that meeting, got in his car, and drove all the way home. And what they did not know is that their son was in another room. Next, next to the mom talking, overheard mom talking to dad, and in his mind he thought, well, what is dad going to do anyways? And a day or so later, dad got home, and dad, a couple of days later, put a for sale sign in the yard. And then dad canceled, James canceled his entire four-year schedule. He took a pastorate at a small church out of state. They sold their home. They moved out of state. He began to pastor this small church, and he spent the next two years of his life investing into his son, mentoring his son. And then after his son graduated from high school and was headed off to college, James decided, I'm going to go back on the evangelistic field. I feel called to travel and preach at different churches. And so he began to try to book his schedule, but he found out that a lot of the churches that he was preaching at, the pastors were no longer there. Many of them had retired. The new pastor did not know where he was, know who he was. And so James was not able to get a successful evangelistic ministry started back up again. It was pretty much a failure. You see, he paid a huge price on his ministry because he focused on his family, his son. And friends, can I tell you today that James because he decided he was going to build his son before he built his ministry. That many of you know the son. His name is James Dobson, Jr., Dr. James Dobson, Jr. Some of you may be familiar with his ministry. He started a ministry called Focus on the Family that has ministered to millions of people, millions of families, and it all started because his daddy, James, said, I'm going to focus on my family before I focus on my ministry, and he got focused on his son and mentored his son, and his son was so impacted by his daddy that his son started a ministry called Focus on, a, on the Family Today, and friends, can I tell you, if James would not have focused on his family and closed the gap, he would have lost his son. He would have lost his son. 
And you know what happens is parents, all of us get a wake-up call like Dr. James Dobson Sr. And, and, and we, that wake-up call, and we, 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 wake, we wake up one day and we find distance between us and our children. Perhaps it's your two-year-old throwing a fit all the time. And you're thinking to yourself, I just feel hopeless. And there's distance. Maybe it's your teenager making dumb decisions and you just don't know what to do. And there's distance in the relationship and it's the wake-up call. Maybe it's your grown child and they've done the unthinkable and they brought hurt and pain upon the family and you don't even know how to talk about it to them and there's distance. Maybe it's your child is rebelling. They're in a rebellious stage and, and, and there's distance in the relationship. Maybe it's your junior high student and they're hanging with the wrong friends and you're trying to tell them, but they won't listen to you. And there's distance in the relationship. Maybe you thought your child was a little angel. And you woke up one day and you found out that they're having sex or doing drugs or drinking or looking at pornography. And that little innocent child that you thought you had is not near as innocent as you thought and it's a wake-up call, and you feel a distance. And as parents, we can start asking ourselves questions and questioning ourselves, wondering, am I a horrible parent? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? What am I doing wrong? Why is there, why am I bowling gutter balls in my parenting? What is the deal? Why is there so much distance? And today, I want to help all of us focus on the family. I want to help us close the gap between us and our children. And I want to do it by taking a look at the most famous parents of all, the most famous parents of all. I'm not talking about the Kardashians. I'm talking about Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus. Let's, let's look at them. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. How many of you know it's a bad day when you lose Jesus? Come on, somebody. How many of you know it is not going good when you lose Jesus? <laughs> If you've come to church today and you're feeling like you're the only struggling parent, you're the only one, I've got good news for you. You're not alone. Even Jesus' parents struggled. Jesus' parents lost him. There was distance in between Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And, and when there's distance between us and our children, how do we close the gap so we can be more accurate and be more successful in our parenting? I want to give you three keys to close the gap between you and your child. And I want to say this. If you're a grandparent, this will apply. If you're, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, you have, a, you have a child in your life that you have influence over. Man, we can apply this, these principles on closing the gap between us and our children. Number one is this. We must stay in their world. We must stay in their world. I want you to notice Luke chapter 2 and verse 43. It says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware. Notice that. They were unaware of it. Joseph and Mary were at the festival with Jesus. 
And they got so busy with the festival and the activities and all that was going on that they were unaware that Jesus wasn't with them. They were hanging out with friends and with family. They were laughing and talking, but they were unaware that Jesus wasn't with them. They they actually loaded up their wagon and they got all the family and friends. They got in the wagons and and they were headed back to their busy life to get ready for work and and for and for and, and, and extracurricular activities and and the busy of chores and paying bills as they were heading back home and they went a whole day and they were unaware that Jesus wasn't with them. They lost Jesus. They got so wrapped up in their world that they were unaware of Jesus and that he wasn't with them. And parents, it's so easy for us. It's such a busy world that we live in. Busy, busy, busy that we can get so wrapped up in our world that we're unaware of where our children really are. And parents, one of the biggest ways we close the gap is by being aware of where our children really are. Do you know where they really are? And we have to get into their world so so that we can be aware of their friends. Who are they hanging out with? Are you aware? Listen, your children's friends will make them or break them. Are you aware of who they're hanging out with? Who are they hanging out with at school? Who are they hanging out with after school? Or you got to be aware. You have to get into their world. You have to be aware of their grades. How are they doing in school? Do you know if they have homework? Are they doing their homework? Do you know if they're studying for the test? Do you know how they're doing on their test? You have to be aware. You can get so busy, busy in life that you're not in their world. You're not aware. You have to be aware of their struggles. Listen, little bitty children struggle. Junior high students struggle, teenagers struggle, and you have, to, you have to be in their world so that you're aware of their struggles. Are, are you aware of their emotional health? Sometimes we can look at our children and they're physically healthy, so we think all is well. But if you're not dialed in, if you're not in their world, you're not aware of their emotional health or emotional unhealth. Are you aware of their iPhone and their cell phone and their computer use? Please, parents, hear your pastor today. One of the demises of children today is social media, is our phones, our computers. So many parents are unaware, and their children are doing all types of things on the phone and all types of apps, viewing all types of things on their computer. And parents like like Joseph and Mary, they're just unaware. And you have to be aware. You have to be in their world. You have to know who they're texting. The app's on their phone. You've got to monitor it. You've got to be engaged. You've got to be aware. You've got to be aware of their pressures. Listen, children face pressure. Little children all the way up to teenagers, they face pressure. And if you're not in their world, you won't be aware of the pressures that they're facing. Are you aware of your child's gifts? God's given them unique gifts and unique talents. Are you developing them? Are you helping them hone those talents and and develop those talents? Are are you aware of their weaknesses? Are you trying to make your kid, your child do something and develop something they're not even good at? They're not even gifted at? Are you aware? Are you in their world? Are you aware of their passions? What is your child passionate about? Are you aware? Joseph and Mary weren't aware of Jesus' passion. His greatest passion, they weren't aware. I want you to see this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 46. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. 
When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why, why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I don't know about you. I got a whooping if I'd have said that when I was growing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about, huh? Huh? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? My parents would have said, didn't you know I'm about to knock your head off? I mean, that's the kind of house I grew up in. And, and, and come on, teenagers, if you're in this place today, don't say that to your parents. That's Jesus talking. Don't you do that. Don't you? That, that's Jesus. He goes on to say, verse number 50, I want you to catch this. The parents, the scripture says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They did not understand. Joseph and Mary weren't aware of Jesus' passion. There was distance between them and Jesus. Back in the day when there wasn't refrigeration, there weren't refrigerator and deep freezers, there was men carrying ice into an ice house. And as they were carrying ice into the ice house, they, they were packing the ice in, and one of the men dropped his watch. He, he was very valuable watch, and as he dropped it and it wasn't aware and kept packing ice into the ice house, and, and all of a sudden he noticed that, that his watch was missing, and, and it was an expensive watch, so he told the other guys, I dropped my watch, and, and the other guy said, well, let's find it, and so they, they began to look throughout the ice house trying to locate the watch, and they were looking and looking. They spent quite some time looking for the watch, but they could not find the watch, so they gave up and said, man, we're sorry, you just, we can't find your watch. So they gave up, and the men walked out the ice house. But there was a little boy that was with the men. And, and as, the, as they left, the little boy decided to stay back. And, and he decided, I'm going to try to find this, this watch. And the little boy laid on that frigid and cold floor. He, laid, he was real still and quiet. And he laid and he just listened. And he began to hear tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And that little boy found that man's watch. And Joseph and Mary did not know the tick-tock of Jesus' heart. And I wonder how many of us are so busy knowing the tick-tock of our job and the tick-tock of our money and the tick-tock of building our career and the tick-tock of all the thing happening with family and extended family, the tick-tock of baseball and the tick-tock of basketball and the tick-tock of piano and the tick-tock of school, but we don't know the tick-tock of our child's heart. And you know what happens sometimes in life, just like James you have to reprioritize your life. You have to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to focus on my family. I have this short season to raise these children. I'm not going to get so busy in life that I don't know the tick-tock of my children's heart. Because listen, the only way that we can close the gap so that we don't bowl gutter balls is we have to reprioritize our life and focus on our family so that we can know the tick-tock of our children's heart. We have to be in their world. Number two is this. Number two is this. How do we, how do we close the gap, Pastor? I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm, I'm a grandparent. I'm an uncle or an aunt. There's a child in my life. How do we close the gap? Number two, we must have intentional and healthy communication. Intentional and healthy 
communication. Notice back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 44. It says, thinking he was in their company. Another translation says, assuming. Assuming he was in their company. They traveled on for, for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Joseph and Mary, they weren't having intentional communication with Jesus. They didn't say, Jesus, where are you going? Jesus, stay by our side. Jesus, tell us what's going on today. What's your agenda today? Where are you going to be visiting today at this festival? They were not having intentional communication. And there was distance between Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And parents, it's easy for all of us to, to, to think that we know our children and where they are. And it's easy to think and assume our children are in one place physically, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually, that they're in one place. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you realize your children aren't where you thought they were. And Joseph and Mary woke up. They woke up one, they woke up one day and Jesus was not where they thought he was. And friends, the only way, the only way that we can, can, can have this, 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 this connection with our children is through intentional communication. It is so easy to be disconnected from our children when we just assume we know where they are. A couple of weeks ago, I was having major computer problems. I just could not connect to the Internet. I was trying my best. I, I, the Wi-Fi in my home, the, the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop, the Wi-Fi at the church, I just could not connect. I was trying my best to connect so I could work. And I, know, I don't know about you. I think many of you can relate to me. When I search something on the Internet, I'm used to it showing up in just like a second or two. And if it takes a minute or two, I get frustrated. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just get frustrated. And this was taking minutes and 10 minutes, and sometimes it wasn't even working at all. I couldn't download. I couldn't research for my message. I was just so frustrated. I'm thinking, what is wrong with this Wi-Fi? And do you know what I was wishing? I wish they would have had hardwired those cords that are hardwired so I could just plug it into my computer because when a cord is hardwired, the, 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 the Internet is hardwired, you don't ever lose the connection. You can always connect. I was sick of Wi-Fi. You know what happens in parenting? We can find ourselves being, having Wi-Fi connection instead of being hardwired to our children. And the one thing about Wi-Fi that's interesting is you could be in the same room as the Wi-Fi, in the same house as the Wi-Fi, and still can't connect. And you could be in the same home with your children. You could drop them off from school. You could go to their games. You could go to band practice and piano recital and still not be hardwired to your children. And the only way to have a hardwired connection with your children is through intentional and healthy communication. The Scripture says in Proverbs 13, verse 17, an unreliable messenger can cause a lot of trouble. Reliable communication permits progress. Come on, all of the locations, everybody say reliable. That's a key word. In other words, just because you communicate doesn't mean it's reliable. Just because you communicate doesn't mean you're going to have progress. Reliable communication permits progress. Reliable communication closes the gap. What does reliable communication look like? Let's talk about that just for a few moments. I would encourage if you have a pen, paper, your phone, take some notes. I really believe this will help you close the gap in communication. First is this, we have to learn to listen. 
Listen, James 1.19 says, be quick to listen, quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger, but quick to listen. And I know I can be guilty of this as a parent. As parents, we're oftentimes quick to speak. But we don't want to do a lot of listening. But the only way we know the tick-tock of our children's heart, whether they're little or they're growing up, is we have to learn to listen to them. To sit on the bed with them, to sit at the table with them, to sit in the car and literally listen to them and what's going on in their life. You know, a second thing that I've learned just to have reliable communication is you have to learn your child. Learn them. If you have more than one child, you know this. Each child is different. And you have to learn them. You have to learn how to talk to them. You have to learn their love language. You have to learn the best questions to ask them. You have to learn the best time to talk to them. Each child is different. And you have to literally say, I'm going to learn my child. I'm going to know. I'm going to be in their world so I can have reliable communication. A third way that we can have intentional and healthy communication is spend one-on-one time with your child. Just one-on-one. Get along with them one-on-one. Maybe it's taking them on a date or out for a cup of coffee or out for a sonic slush or, or just a trip together that you're going to have fun. But just one-on-one communication that you can have a hardwired relationship with your child. Last night I was in Ada, Oklahoma. I was preaching a, a revival last night for a church and I don't do this often on a Saturday night. Rarely am I preaching somewhere on a Saturday night knowing i got to preach on Sunday here at People's Church. But I just felt compelled to do it. The pastor reached out to the office a while back ago and asked me what i come. And I thought about it, prayed about it. He's a part of the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. So I decided to go to Ada, Oklahoma, hour and a half drive. And I made it a fun date. And so I've been taking my kids with me when I go on trips. And so it was my daughter's turn. And I just kind of pumped her up about it and said, hey, you're going with daddy. It's going to be a fun time. We're going to go to church and have some fun before. And so I left early yesterday. And we got to Ada, you know, 4 o'clock or so, 4.30. And service wasn't until 7. So we went to an Italian restaurant. She picked it out. And we ate Italian food, appetizer, had a good time. I just talked to my little baby girl. She's 9, going to be 10 this week. And we just talked. And, and then I had a gift for her. And I gave her a gift and she opened it up, and it was a pink purse. Oh, my goodness. That little girl loved that purse. She said, oh, like all you women. She was like, oh, look, look, look at the purse. They look inside. Look at all the pockets and the zippers inside. And she was so excited about her little pink purse. And then we hung out for another hour or so. And then we went to the church. And, you know, as me as being the guest speaker, you know, they're all so nice to me as the guest. And, and of course, Karis is with her daddy. So they're talking to Karis. How are you doing? What's your name? You're so pretty. Look at your hair. And she was rocking that purse. Up in the church, nothing but a bottle of water, that bad boy. But she got her purse. You know what? I got my purse. What's up? I got, I'm in Portland. She's just smiling. People talking to her. Would you like some candy? Yes. Got a handful of candy. And, and after church, she told me, she said, Daddy, that was fun. I said, I know it, girl. That was fun, fun. Hanging with Daddy. And then come on, somebody. We stopped by Brahms and got a milkshake and drove home. But thank God for the milkshake. That little girl was happy. One-on-one. There's nothing like it. If you want to have reliable communication, you have to connect with your child one-on-one. Here's a fourth thing. Here's a fourth thing to have reliable and healthy communication. Create a safe environment for your children to talk. A safe environment. One of the biggest things I can encourage you with is create an environment where your child can talk to you about anything. 
And a lot of parents, what we end up doing is we create fear in our home. And our child, they don't want to talk to us. They're scared to talk to us. They're filtered when they talk to us. They don't want to talk about just anything because they know how we're going to react. They, they know we're not going to respond well. And one of the things that we have to do as parents is we have to create an environment where our children can talk to us about anything. And you say, well, that my children can't talk to me about anything. Well, you go ahead and have the attitude your children can't talk to you about anything because you're talking to somebody about it. And you want to have an environment that has reliable communication where you can close the gap and listen to your children. That leads me to number five. Number five is this. Don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And so many of us parents, we maybe grew up with this and, and we saw this model. And so we're harsh with our children and it, and it creates an environment where they don't want to talk. You know, we start talking to our children like this. Talk to me. Talk to, I said, talk to me. Talk, I said, where you been? Where you been? Where you been? Talk to me. Oh, that's where you been? I told you not to be over there. That's the last time they're talking to you. I know you think that technique will work. It did not work. That is the last time they're talking to you. They're going to tell you all kinds of stuff you don't even, it's not even truth. Because you're acting crazy. And you say, that's how I grew up. So did I. But don't repeat that stuff. Because it doesn't work. It creates fear. And, and the last thing I would just say to you, the number one goal, parenting. Here, here it goes. Here it goes, parent. Here, keep communication alive. I'm telling you, if your children stop talking to you, you're in trouble. You will lose their heart. You have to stay hardwired. You got to keep communication you got to be able to sit on the bed. And let me tell you, when you do this right, you're going to hear stuff that you don't really want to hear. Just fake it. Like, oh, my gosh, are you telling me this? But keep communication. Keep, keep communication. Reliable communication permits progress. Close the gap. Number three is this. Number three is this. We must have a God connection. This is so critical. A God connection. I want you to notice this about Jesus at the temple. It says in Luke chapter 46 through 49, it says, After three days they found him in the temple course, the church, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. It's interesting that Jesus, even as a child, had a spiritual hunger. It goes on to say, it goes on to say, everyone who heard him was amazed. I just love this. Jesus, he was amazing, everyone. You know, we want to create as parents an environment for our children to develop a spiritual hunger and thirst for God at his house. And they were amazed at his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this like this? I've read this to you already. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. And notice this one more time. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus had a passion for God's house. Jesus wanted to be in church. He wanted to grow closer to his heavenly father. And one of the major keys to closing the gap is we have to have a God connection. And as parents, it's easy. I see it happen all the time. It's easy to overlook the God connection. We have our children connected to education and to connected to friends and connected to sports and connected to activities. And we have our children connected in so many places and so many parents overlook the spiritual connection to God. And when there's not that connection to God, it hinders the gap from closing. And, and Jesus was connected in all areas. I want you to notice this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51. It says, then he went down to Nazareth 
with them. And so after Jesus left the temple, they found him. They went to Nazareth with them and, and was obedient. I love that he was obedient to them. Jesus obeyed his parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And verse 52 says, and Jesus grew. Joseph and Mary created an environment for Jesus where he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And it's so important that we're helping our children grow in every area. Notice the four areas. we got to help our children grow in wisdom, their education, their, their knowledge. We have to help them, help them grow in wisdom. He says he grew in stature. we got to help our children grow in their stature and in, in their health, physically, emotionally, mentally, stature. Help them grow. It says he grew with people, people, their people skills, their social skills, their relationship skills. we got to help them grow. But oftentimes parents leave out this, this, this last one. He grew in favor with God and man. There's got to be a connection to God. We can't leave out the God connection or there is distance and we will find ourselves bowling gutter balls because of the distance. Parents, would you hear me today? If you're struggling with your child, if there's distance, if your child is rebelling, they won't listen to you. You're losing their heart. You know it. You, you sit here today, you're like, I'm losing their heart. As the days go by, we're not getting closer. We're drifting further apart. Can I tell you, don't underestimate the God connection. When God is first, when you're seeking God, He can do what you can't do. I want you to notice what happens when the God connection is in place. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6 says, He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Wow. When we invite God into the situation, when we make him first, when, when we're seeking hard after God and we're pointing our children to the things of God, the Bible says here's what God can do. God has the ability when you're frustrated with your children, maybe you're little kids and you're frustrated with your children, they're getting on your nerves, you're sick and tired of them, maybe it's your teenager, your junior high student, and they're not listening and they're rebelling and you're in your heart, you just feel like, ah, and there's distance. God has the ability when he is first to take your heart and turn it towards your children. And God also has the ability when your children are they're running and they don't want anything to do with you and they're sick of you and they're tired of you. And when there's the God connection, God has the ability not just to turn your heart towards them, but to turn their heart towards you. Don't you underestimate the power of the God connection. Can I tell you at People's Church, we want to partner with you. It's huge to our heart. I really want to see you in church every Sunday that you can be here because I know how important the God connection is. I really want to see your children flourishing in kids' church and in and, and, and the youth ministry. Make that a priority for them. It'll make all the difference in closing the gap in your relationship with them. Even this Wednesday night, what a great moment for your family. Family night, pizza for the entire family. Don't have to worry about dinner. Just come to church and get your kids connected in kids' ministry. Get, get, get your, your teenager in the youth ministry. Make it a priority for them. The God connection will make all the difference. And then we're going to have parenting classes for you. Would you come, classes for all the adults, and all I'm saying is, is the God connection. Is so we, we, we overlook it, money and, and fun and, and friends and education, but I'm telling you, you leave out the God component, there will be distance. I'd even encourage you, first step, next Sunday, it's in your bulletin, would you take that step and say, I'm going to get myself reconnected with God, I'm going to connect, I'm going to plug in with God and take those next steps because the God connection can make all the difference in your parenting. You know my hope? 
throughout this series is that God will turn the hearts of parents back to their children and the hearts of children back to their parents and that we would close the gap and we wouldn't continue to mold 95 with our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews. But we'd bowl 150 and 200 and 250 because God makes a difference and helps us close the gap.